The Word of God from Philippians. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. This is God's word given for our good. The ambassadors of our faith, the word of our God will stand forever. <laughs> remain standing for just another moment. I'm going to pray for our time and word together. Um, please bow with me as I lead us. Heavenly Father, thank you so, so very much for this morning. Help us to know you as you know us, Lord. Help us to see with your eyes. Help us to think our thoughts after you. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Grab my pedestal here. And yeah. So good to see all of you. I don't know if you recognize this or I hope I am the first person to tell you just because I like this kind of thing. But today is a waltz. Waltz, a, a, like a form of music. You might remember um, Strauss's waltz, right? And um, the reason it's a waltz is because it's, you know, it's, it's time is three. And the date today is one, two, three, one, two, three. Well, it, it, I thought it would kill in the room, but you know. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta roll with what you got, right? And that is fine. So, I'm going to put this at the height for my reading glasses, um, and we'll start right off. When we come to a day like today, it's New Year's Eve, we are coming to the end of a calendar year. We're looking to the turning of that calendar year at midnight tonight. And as we think about the turning of a calendar year, it gives us an opportunity. It gives us a chance to think about the year that has just passed and think about the year that's coming. And some of the ways that we do that is we think about, okay, how am I going to do school differently in the spring? And how am I going to face into work in a different way this coming year? And we're prompted by all kinds of things around us to think about what happened in the past year and what's coming. If you use a streaming music service, you've probably already been signaled that, hey, you listened to certain things throughout the course of the year, and here they are. And maybe you, like me, looked at it and thought, really? I listened to that? That often? Now, granted, I've been doing a lot of academic writing this past year. And so, at the top of my replay list on Apple Music was Hans Zimmer. <laughs> but trust me, if you need to get something written in about an hour and a half, you can do a lot worse than the soundtrack to Interstellar. And maybe 
you have also seen the different images, the different um, suggestions, recommendations to set our intentions for the coming year. Maybe you've seen a barrage of ads about fitness or nutrition or mindfulness, and you're thinking, yeah, that would be a good idea because you know, most of us haven't really been thinking about any of that for the past two weeks. If you're like me, you're actually glad that you know it's Sunday today because it's been kind of hard to figure out exactly what day of the week it's been for the last 14 days. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Yeah. And so as we think about the new year and what's coming, one of the things that comes to mind is what is on our mind? What do we have populating our thoughts? And this is a serious thing to think about because it says a lot about where we've been, where we're going, but most especially where we are right now. And I know that for myself, where I am right now has a tendency not to be right now. My thoughts, as just habit, tend to be on the future. What's going to happen next? What's new? What's coming? But I also know that I'm surrounded by wonderful people that are just most prone to think about what just happened, or what happened in the distant past even. And sometimes that can lead us into thinking about things in ways that aren't particularly helpful. Like sometimes when we think about the past, we get caught up in worry or regret. When we're thinking about the past, we just, we have these bad feelings about what happened in the past. And when we get thinking about what happened in the past, sometimes it's hard to let go of those things. Like, oh, this year I should have dot, dot, dot. And Kurt Vonnegut captures that, that feeling of regret so well. He says, of all the words of mice and men, the saddest are it might have been. Like that, that hit me. Or if you're not literary, Maybe you just remember the song by Patsy Cline, written by Willie Nelson. Crazy, I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. I'm crazy, crazy for feeling so blue. I knew you'd love me as long as you wanted. And then someday, you'd leave me for somebody new. It's regret, right? Why did I set my affection on that? But then if you tend to think about the future, a not helpful way to think about the future is worry. And back to Patsy. Worry. No, I'm just, I'm done. I won't sing anymore. But worry is just those bad feelings about what might happen. What might happen in the future, tomorrow, later today, next week this coming year. And worry, there's a, a quote that's attributed to just about everybody, and I, I had to give up the search to find out who said it first. But there's this quote that says, worrying is praying for what you don't want. Because it's just constantly rolling over in your mind over and over what might happen that's not good. And when we get caught in that, we realize that, another good quote, worry is a poor use of imagination. 
It's a way in which we are almost wanting the bad thing to happen so we don't have to worry about it anymore. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Those are the words of Corrie Ten Boom, who in her life, if you're familiar with it, having survived in a concentration camp after her family devotedly sheltered Jewish people during the Holocaust. She said, worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. Bad things will still happen, there will still be reasons to mourn, but it empties today of its strength. So we can, we can worry, we can regret, and those aren't necessarily helpful ways to use our mental energy to have our minds set on those things. And in our mindset, we can get into a place where we're so preoccupied with what's going on inside that we get lost in our own thoughts. What populates our thinking impacts what we do. If we're thinking about things that we're worried about or that we regret, we aren't right in the moment actually acting on the opportunities that God has for us right now, today. As the things we think about impact our actions, that has everything to do with the habits we form and with the practices we regularly engage. And that has a lot to say about our spirituality, how we try to live out our faith in our God. If we spend a small amount of time each day thinking about how God cares for us, this is just an example. If we think about how God cares for us just a little bit each day, then talking to Him in prayer will come that much more easy, easily. If we spend just a little bit of time thinking about Him and how much He cares for us. If we don't, we may actually have some resistance about going to God in prayer. We may not want to talk to Him because we may feel like our conversation isn't worth his time. We may actually prune those things away that he wants us to express to him. So, that brings us to the text that we chose for today. And I'm going to be rereading it, but like, I just want to like hold Byron's reading of it because it was so great. But in that reading from Philippians, it's Paul writing a letter to this church in Philippi. And Philippi for its day was this urbane center of activity. It was the first church that was actually established in the continent of Europe as we know it today. It was a church in a new frontier. And they faced external pressure to be more like the surrounding culture. And they were dealing with internal strife, like some of, the, some of the great leaders of that church, for as long as it had been around, were arguing. They were kind of at each other. And Paul is trying to help them, trying to help them to find comfort and encouragement and to leave. And as he was doing that throughout that letter, and that letter has some just gold things, rejoicing the Lord always, and just, you know, have the same mind in you as Christ had, that he made himself nothing for our account. Like, like, there's so many great thoughts in that. 
But toward the end of that letter, which is where our text comes from, Paul says this. He says that they need to have their minds set on certain things as they follow Jesus in a complicated time and place. So that as we heard that passage, it's just two verses. The first verse and the second verse. The first verse is verse 8. And that one really is about consider this. Consider this. The second verse, verse 9, is really about practice that. Consider this, practice that. So we're going to look at that briefly today. In verse 8, in considering this, Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He's telling us, he's telling his church in Philippi, but he's telling us as well. We get to listen in, and it's for our good that God put it in the Bible. He's saying, think about it. And when he says, think about it, it's not let this notion pass through your mind. It's more, take it into account, think about it, consider it, roll it around in your mind. Let it live there for a while, carry it with you. And so when we are thinking about things, maybe you are of the mind that like, what, I've thought about that, done, check. But there are thoughts that stay with you. If you are like me and you have a hard time remembering some daily things, sometimes you just have to like repeat it to yourself as you're getting ready for your day. All right, my wallet's on the kitchen table, my wallet's on the kitchen table, my wallet's on the kitchen table. And if you're like me, when you're driving back to the house, my wallet's on the kitchen table, my wallet's on the kitchen table. We do this all the time. We carry a thought with us, and that's what Paul is recommending. Carry these thoughts with you. Let this be the thing that populates your mind. And what is it, he says, to think about? He says a big whatever. Whatever. This is meant to capture all examples, not just the top five or the top ten of each of these virtuous things that he lists. He wants us to think about all of the permutations, all of the variety of ways it shows up. It's a huge net. It's a far bigger net than is cast. Like when I'm looking online to find something, you know, oh, I need coffee filters. Okay, Google, best coffee filters. You know, and I find the list of top five, top ten. No, it's all. Paul is saying, think of every example of each one of those things. And if that word can apply to it, it belongs in your thoughts. And what are the descriptors that he uses? He's recommending things that are true, not false. Honorable, not dishonorable. Just not unjust, pure, not sullied or impure, lovely, beautiful, not ugly, commendable, not regrettable, excellent, not poorly done, worthy of praise. These are all the ways that we would describe God himself 
Our God is true. Our God is honorable. Our God is just. Our God is pure. He is lovely. He is commendable. I mean, don't you want people to know how awesome God is? He is excellent. He's worthy of praise. We just finished praising Him. And I don't know if you feel this way. I could go longer because He's so worth it. And Paul is prodding us to think about the goodness and excellence of God in all the examples that we might see. What Paul is prompting here could be known by the word meditation. Now, meditation can be meant a lot of different ways depending on who's saying it. But in the way that I want to phrase it is meditation is simply settling in in your thoughts about certain things. And settling in on those thoughts so that the more they repeat, the more you spend time with them, the more they, with the help of the Holy Spirit, shape the way you're seeing your own circumstances, the world around you, and even your place in God's world and mission. And so when we think about meditation that way, this is really a meditation prompt. It's an invitation to let the thought of these examples roll around in our minds. To really think deeply about them. It's an invitation, in many ways, to be awestruck. Awestruck by the glory of God. By how His excellence is revealed in His creation. And that awe, that wonder is something that the Bible itself speaks to. In Psalm 19, we hear this, the heavens, the skies, declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day, it pours out speech, and night to night, it reveals knowledge. All we have to do to understand how, understand how good God is, to think about it, to meditate on it, is just look around. And if you want to do an experiment with this, Go up to the next tree that you see. Go up to the next house plant that you have around. It is a little cold out. Look at how beautifully it's made. But then do this. If there's a leaf on that plant or that tree, turn it over. It's the part that's not really meant to be seen. It's not even sunward. But it is as beautiful and intricate and speaks to the wisdom of the one who made it, like so many other things, but it does it beautifully. The underside of a leaf is amazing. And it speaks to who our God is. And these are the kinds of things we need to have rolling around in our mind. It prepares us for daily, hourly worship of our God. And when we think of all that reflects the excellence of God, we cooperate with His work to shape our vision of a good life. Because that's what all these questions are about thinking about the year past and the year to come. It's how is our life matching up with what we think is a good life? And the reality is, if the thoughts we have are not on who God is and how his character is reflected in all around us, then our thoughts of what a good life are could be horribly bent and twisted. Our vision of a good life 
might be having the right opinions about things, or it might be having the right amount of things, or it might be any number of things that aren't really about being awestruck and in wonder of who our God is and how much He loves us and cares for us. If we dwell on what could have been or what might have or what might yet happen, we might live a life under a truncated vision. It might be a very small picture of what a good life is. And with that small, confined place, we will have expectations that are brittle because that's all we have. But when we are shaped by too small of a vision of our lives, we can even settle, settle for far less than we were made for. We'll live these anxious lives of rearranging the shriveled hopes and the leftovers of regret. And God does not want us to do our best with seven mismatched Lego pieces. God wants us to delight in a three-story tall pile of Lego. Do you hear me? I mean, kids, what sounds better? Seven mismatched pieces or a pile bigger than your house? Pile bigger than your house. Amen. And that's just a small picture of what God actually has for us. Life in his kingdom is beautiful. It's not necessarily easy, but it's beautiful. It's abundant. It gets filled up with the glory that he reveals of himself. And he ends up revealing that glory in us. So we need to set our minds on whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. And if we're having a hard time connecting to it, then learn from those who are good at awe and wonder. Spend time with that friend who can't stop ta talking about that hike they went on. Or take longer looks at the drawings that your creative friend shares with you. Or... Be an adult helper with children's worship. Because kids don't have to be reminded about wonder and awe. They're experts. They're experts at living lives that say, wow. And that's what we need. We need to have a life that's filled with wow. Wow, God. And Lamott says it this way. Wonder takes our breath away and makes room for new breath. That's why they call it breathtaking. So do it. Think about these things. You will not have to look far. And do it every day. Set a reminder for yourself. Make it the first thing on your list. Write it on the back of your hand if you have to. I still do that. Just do it. And see how God shapes your mindset into one that is captured by one and then let's think about verse 9 briefly. In verse 9, Paul says this, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, what you've learned from me, what you've received from me, what you've heard from me, what you've seen in me, practice these things. This is where he's telling us to practice that. He wants us not just to have things in our minds. He wants us to do something. And that speaks to me. 
Because I can content myself in my thoughts, but I need to be told, now do something about it. And when Paul gives us this example, he's saying, you heard me talk about the gospel, you heard me talk about the good news that Jesus, though he was perfect, died a sinner's death. But it's more than that. We're celebrating right now, continuing to celebrate this season of Christmas where we celebrate that Jesus, fully God, came and lived fully human for us. That he did that and that when he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin so that as he is raised to life in the resurrection, he offers us new life. If we are thinking about that, then we can do something because of that. We can do something because of that. And what Paul is saying is, and God gives us people to follow in how to do it. It's something that is talked about as spiritual modeling. Not like, turn for the camera. But modeling like, let me show you how. Just do what I do. Paul said it best when he said, in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And in following these examples, we can start to practice this faith that we're holding dear, and it's touching our heart, and it's in our mind, but now it's going to show up in our actions because we have an example to follow. And God gives us these folks to follow, folks whose lives reflect the reality of God's grace. And our response should be to follow those folks. Do what they do. It may seem too simple, but this is actually how it works. We follow Jesus by imitating him and his followers that precede us. And following Jesus is not an independent study course. We may be tempted in our individualistic culture to think, I'll just figure out my own way. But you don't have to. Because following Jesus is not about me curating my own notions of spirituality. Following Jesus means that I'm submitting myself to him and that I'm learning a life of faithful practices and belief. So I'm committing myself to his example and the examples he provides for me. The examples he gives to me like so many gifts. You have to say yes to trusting Jesus and looking for and following the people he places in your life to help you live a life of faith. We just need to keep in step with those folks that Jesus has placed in our lives. It will not always be the same person right in front of us. But as long as Jesus is at the head of that line, we're going to be all right. I mean, it's reminding me of that book, All I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. It's literally, follow the leader. But of course, when I say these things, I can't help but think of this, and many of you probably can't help but think of this, but so many leaders, even in the church, sometimes it feels like particularly in the church, don't do a great job of setting an example. I know. Sometimes those examples aren't great. What if, what if the person that I'm following right behind messes up? That's going to happen. I lead things. I have messed up. And I will likely mess up again. 
And sometimes we follow people who mess up so badly that we start to wonder if we could have ever been really following Jesus if we were following them. Is that a feeling you have? I mean, the pastor who baptized me went to prison. And yet, God uses lots of people in lots of ways to show us that our trust is always ultimately in Him. <clears throat> the leader of the church, like, I've been around a long time, I've been in church work for a long time, and you may look at me and say, well, Jason, you're a good leader. And it's like, only as much as I'm following Jesus. Better example, Ronnie, he has started churches, plural. He's good at this. But he still has limits. So how do we do this? Just like when you were in kindergarten, you're kind of midway in the line, and you just kind of look around the person you're immediately following to make sure the line leader is still in front of you, to make sure the line is still following him. And the leader of our line, it isn't me, it isn't Ronnie, it's Jesus. That's who we're following. And if you ever have to check, if I'm, if I'm the one in front of you, check me. Look at my life. Does it look like what Jesus said is true and beautiful? If it's not, tell me. But that's how we do this. And the words are not enough. Look at where the feet land of those who are following. But it is follow the leader. It's follow those examples and learn those practices because that is what's going to shape our life even more deeply. Consider this, practice that. And then what happens? If we look at the end of verse 9, you know, consider these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I mean, think about that. Jesus will be with us. If we think about who God is and how that shows up all around us, and if we commit ourselves to just practice what those who are before us have practiced and are showing us how, Jesus will be with us. It's not, the, it's not just the peace of God that will be with us, but the God of peace himself. He'll be with us. The Prince of Peace will be in our life right there with us the whole way. That's how we'll know. That's how we'll know. So my encouragement to myself and to you this morning is read that book that you've been thinking of reading. <coughs> Pray with that group that you haven't been sure how to fit it in your schedule. Participate in that Bible study. Serve at the rescue mission. Teach the middle schoolers. I promise you you will actually learn a lot from them. And the God of peace will be with us. Amen.